It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show. We'll have Graham Coffee, DogCentral.com, joining us in a hot minute. Brad from Congress hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line and said, I'm all for not giving up any draft capital to secure the quarterback like we just did. I'm just not thrilled that it's Jimmy G. We just did. Your guest earlier explained it well regarding Rodgers. It would be a lot to give up for possibly only one year, but there is one thing that I don't that I do know I'm exhausted. That's Brad and Conquer. Thanks for that text. We do appreciate you joining us now on the phone lines from dogcentral.com is our guy, Graham Coffee. And Graham, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Georgia had their pro day, and there's a lot of players there at their pro day. Guys that were there on the team this past year, even guys who had left came back and were on the pro day. But uh, we got to talk about Jalen Carter. That's where it starts, right? The guy who left the combine. I was there in Indianapolis when he left. He returned and said, hey, I'm going to handle my business at the pro day. But, Graham, it didn't sound like he handled his business. He came in overweight and wasn't able to finish the drills. What has been the overall feedback about what everyone saw from Jalen Carter at the Pro Day today? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there's some concern of just where he is maybe mentally right now. You know, the the last couple weeks, there's been a lot of attention focused on him, you know, a lot of – a lot of angry people on social media, you know, lots of folks saying different things about his character. And um, the kid's probably really stressed out. You know, this is a right. stressful process to go through no matter what. And then you add uh, some really kind of scary headlines on top of it. It doesn't make things any easier. And I think that's been the biggest kind of feedback that I've gotten is people are just, wondering if he's okay, you know, weighing in nine pounds heavier than he did a couple weeks ago at the combine. Didn't look great going through drills. He didn't look, you know, totally focused at times, but then, you know, I mean, you find out he was cramping. I think he was having some, some, some muscle spasms is what I was told. And so, uh, not sure exactly how much, you know, he's been working out the last couple of weeks and if, if he wasn't ready for today, then I would say that someone in his camp probably failed him by not keeping him from working out. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that. It's exactly what my guy Naman said. That's how he started op- opening up the show, was saying that, you know what, he thought that someone in his camp, you know, let him down by not saying, hey, big fella, you're not ready to go out there and compete right now. So how much, Graham, because we've seen him. We've seen him all season long. We saw him last season. We know what kind of dominating player he is. How much of just the right. tape and what he's already done winning back-to-back national championships will help him as far as his draft stock goes, where it's like, look, this is what the guy does when he's on the field and he's focused. I mean, I think that's the key, right, is he still has the best tape of anybody in this draft. Uh, he's, he's got the best tape of any defensive interior lineman that we've seen in quite a while. Um, so, I mean, I think he still has a ton of value, but it is going to be interesting to see if maybe he slides past the top five and kind of more down into the lower half of the top ten of this draft. But I think, you know, going back to his time at Georgia, what's fascinating about him is he's been this dominant, but you know, he's so naturally gifted that he's never really had to do all of the things that that most football players who want to be drafted by an NFL team have to do. Mm-hmm. Like he's yep. he's always carried a little baby fat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's always had uh I never heard bad things about like his practice habits. I mean, in terms of him showing up or anything like that, but it's just, 
everything came so easy to him that it, you know, there was times where he probably took reps off without even really realizing he wasn't going a hundred percent because even at 70%, he can get to the quarterback. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see sort of the NFL process for him because from a franchise's standpoint, you have to, like, I mean, I obviously understand as well, like, hey, what's going to happen when we give this guy more money, more free time? You know, there, there's concerns about that, but I think there also has to be a little bit of recognition that this kid's just had probably the toughest couple weeks of his life, and we saw him out on the field today, and maybe, you know, maybe some teams will bring him in for some private workouts, and he'll look very different. Yeah, no, that's and you know it's, it's crazy that you bring that up about him not having to work 100% and go as hard as as a lot of other guys have to because he's so gifted. That's the gift and the curse, right? Because you realize you're better than everyone else. So your 75% is their 110%, right? And so it's again, it's a gift and a curse, so that does make a whole lot of sense. Again, again Graham Coffee dogcentral.com is joining us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man demond has got one for you. Speaking of naturally gifted, yep. Darnell Washington, he tested like a freak Come on at now. the combine. Come on now. Uh, he's a local Vegas guy. <laughs> Come but on. I'm afraid that he's going to, you know, practice and combine his way up, up into the first round. Where do you think he's going to go, and how impressive was he today? I mean, if he's not the first tight end taken, I don't really know what's going on, truthfully, just because, look, I've watched the guy for three years now. The thing about Darnell Washington is that if he switched to left tackle, like he'd be a top ten pick tomorrow. <laughs> wow! You know, like he he has ankles like you know like his ankles look like a wide receiver. His waistline you know looks like a skinny guy, but he happens to be six seven and carrying you know two hundred and seventy pounds around. Like the, the guy is unbelievable. But I mean you, you know go turn on his tape. He wasn't always utilized by Georgia for a couple reasons. One, they have Brock Bowers on their team, but the other is just that, you know, Darnell had some some foot injuries and stuff like that early in his career. And really in 2021, when Georgia won the national title, like he didn't play much until the second half of the season. And he was mainly used as a, an inline blocker. And that was because he, he really wasn't healthy. He really wasn't able to go and run routes the way that, he can at full speed. He still was productive. He still caught a touchdown pass in the SEC championship game against Alabama. But even at, you know, even with a foot injury, like he's flattening Will Anderson and, you know, some of the best edges in the SEC. And uh, he looks really good, you know, in, in run blocking. So I think the versatility that he gives an offense, I mean, I've, I've said so many times to people that uh, I don't think Georgia, you know, runs the table last year without him because, he was just impossible to game plan for, uh, you know, and, and I think that with what's going on with his combine and people getting eyes on him, you're right to be concerned about him, you know, going going in the first round because I, I think that there's a very good chance he, he creeps up into the, the end of the first round. Can you start a rumor about him or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, man. Come I mean, on. Come on. 
<laughs> Why can't the Raiders trade up? You know, I mean, cut, go get the hometown that, guy. You know, what I mean? that's a good point. That's a good point. I'll tell you this, man. Especially now that Darren Waller was traded to New York yesterday, and he's there now, man. I'll tell you, Darnell Washington is like my draft crush. Like that's the guy that I'm looking at. Like, and yeah, he would be perfect here in Vegas in the silver and black. I'd be excited for him. So wherever he goes, that's going to be awesome for him. A uh, local guy, and and man, he's going to be a monster in the NFL. But I mean, if you know, some kind of rumor comes out that he only wants to play in Vegas, I'm okay with that. I'm all right. <laughs> Something. Hey, I mean, he's got you know, he's got two young kids the, that are in the Vegas area. So I'm there it is. Love to come home. Something else about him where we hear that hey, he could be. You said he could play left tackle. Some have referred to him as a six offensive lineman on the field. But I, he he's obviously a freak athlete. But how are the hands? Is it just because that Brock Bowers is on the team that he didn't get? He didn't see a lot of passes thrown his way. Is he is he a credible receiving threat? Yeah, no, he's got great hands. I mean, it, it's comical to watch him catch a football because his hands are so big that, like, the you know, a college football looks like a Nerf ball in his hands sometimes. Like, he's just, you know, out there. looks like his hands are going to stretch from each tip of the ball. But I, I think a, a big part of it was, was Brock Bowers. I think another part of it was just his blocking – was so good that at times you didn't want to put him into the route tree. And then the other side of it is just, you know, Georgia over the last couple of years had a lot of leads, didn't have to throw the ball a ton. But there's games like go turn on the Georgia-Missouri game when Georgia's on the road this past season. And Georgia gets down, I think, 10, 13 points in that game. And in the second half, I mean, like, to come back in that game, there there was a lot of things that weren't working for Georgia that night, and a lot of the offense flowed through Darnell Washington in the second half, and he got. So, yeah, I mean, I like there's plenty of times this year where Georgia would you know roll Stephen Bennett out and let let Darnell just kind of leak out into the flat, and early in the season people weren't covering that, and they would they would hit him with it and. All of a sudden, he'd rumble over two defenders and jump over another guy, and people figured out pretty quick that they needed to cover it. And so, you know, Georgia would have plays open further downfield on some of those levels concepts that because Darnell was such a priority for defenses to cover. But th- the only thing I would say about his receiving is just there were times where it seemed like him and Stetson Bennett weren't always on the same page in terms of making reads with some of his routes like Georgia ran a really option route based offense and so there were times where I think Stephen Bennett might expect him to stop and sit down in certain places but he's 6'7 280 and so he's not sitting down for nobody you know what I mean like he's not afraid <laughs> to go over the middle against the safety and so he would just kind of continue his route into the end zone so um, you know, there's, there was a stat going around out there about the number of drops he had, and that that was a little crazy to me. I, I think I tweeted about this uh, last week was just if he wasn't possessing the wingspan of a, tarot, a pterodactyl, then like you couldn't grade any of those balls as drops because they're way behind him and a normal receiver is not getting their hands on him, right? So um, I, I've never really seen him drop an on-target pass over the last two years. I was trying to find a flaw, and it sounds like there isn't one. <laughs> so moving on to the quarterback position for the Georgia Bulldogs, Stetson Bennett. I've had some people say to me on Twitter, if you like Hendon Hooker so much, why don't why don't they just wait, the Raiders be, why don't they just wait and draft Stetson Bennett because he's just as old? Do you see Stetson Bennett as a quarterback <laughs> prospect at the next level? 
Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, I think Stetson Bennett, look, you know, the, the measurables, I, I get it. Like, you know, but, but when we talk about measurables for quarterbacks, you know, normally we talk about the full package. And I think with Stetson, people get hung up on just the height. But, I mean, as far as arm strength, uh, you know, I mean, he was throwing the same same velocity as, Will Levis, right? Like at the combine, like he's got plenty of arm. He's got great feet. And, and like he has feet that are functional in a way that a lot of quarterbacks are not like, like he can not just escape from rushers in the pocket, but if he gets outside and there's nobody that has contained, like he will go and get you 10, 15, 20 yards with his feet very easily. So I think he brings a lot to an offense, and I think at the end of the day, like the, the kid was twenty nine and one the last <laughs> two years and won a national championship at a program like he won two straight titles at a program that's been really, really good and put a lot of players in the league for decades. But I mean, they hadn't won a title in over forty years before he became the starter. So I think there's something to be said for it. And at the end of the day, man, he's just got like a there's a moxie about him. And I know that that's kind of corny or, you know, it, it's hard to grade that on paper, but there were so many times in his career where he may have a bad play or Georgia may be in a, a bad situation. And you just kind of thought like, Oh, they're, they're going to lose this one or, you know, this just isn't his night. And then all of a sudden, you know, he rolls out in the college football playoff against Ohio state and goes nine for, you know, 10 in the fourth quarter for, a hundred and something yards and two TDs and he's perfect. I just, I think it would be silly to count him out. And I think the biggest reason to be silly to count him out is because he played for Todd Monken and he ran a really complex offense and he was very good pre-snap and he protects the football. Like he doesn't turn the football over. And I think that, you know, maybe more important than anything. I, I get like in Hendon Hooker, but I'm just, I'll warn you now, and you're not asking me, but I'll, you know, my, my opinion on Hooker is that um, that Josh Heupel offense is a cheat code for, for quarterbacks, same as the, the Bryles, Baylor offenses, and everyone else that's run that system in college football for the last 10 to 15 years. And like, you know, with Stetson, we saw him do it and put up big numbers in a offense that's as close to an NFL offense as you're going to find in, in college football, save for maybe a couple other programs. Grant, that's funny that you say that. And Demond, I want to bring you in. When we talked about the Josh Heupel system, what did I refer to it and say that it was similar to? The Baylor Art Browse <laughs> offense. But you know what? No, what? I'm not going to let no. No, no, what, what, what? Tell me something. I'm on the hooker train, okay? No, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying not to be, but I did compare it to the Bryles system. How is it his fault if everybody's always open? If the, like he, he, said it, he said it at the combine. It's not my fault that the first read's open. No, no, you're right. No, it's not. It's not. But, I mean, I would say the, the problem is that when the first read's not open, I mean, like when Jordan was getting ready to play Tennessee this year, Tennessee was number one in the country and – there was a lot of people predicting Tennessee to win that game. And Me included. You know, that week I was just like, yeah, I thought Georgia was going to blow them out. And everybody thought I was crazy. And, and, you know, the question got asked why. And I was like, look, you know, I found one team all year that forced him and hooker to the second read. And that was Pitt, ironically enough. And when that happens, he doesn't get through his progressions and he doesn't, you know, if you, if you get him to a second read and in that offense, if you, you know, if you could just keep, 
sound in your rush lanes and keep him from being able to escape up the middle of the pocket, everything broke down for him. And, and eventually that's what happened. And I mean, against Georgia, he did have guys get open deep, but he didn't hit them. Um, you know, I mean, he, you, there's a lot of tape of him hitting deep balls because he threw twice as many deep balls as almost every other quarterback in this draft. But there's, you know, his, his deep ball accuracy is not the best in the class despite that. Graham Coffey, DogCentral.com is our guest here. We'll get you out on this. Keely Ringo is a guy that last time we talked to you, we asked about him. We know he's an athletic dude. I know that he went out and put out a hell of a performance today at the Pro Day, showing off his athleticism again. Where do you think he is right now as far as his draft stock? And is he one of those guys that you think could you know, maybe get drafted to a team where he still has to develop, but he's got the tools to get it there and end up becoming a really good corner uh, for years to come? Yeah, I mean, Keeley's an f- incredible athlete. Um, is he a little bit stiffer in, in the hips than some other top corners that we've seen, whether it's in this class or other classes in years past? Yeah, he is. Um, but he also has size that those guys don't have. Uh, he probably has 40 times that a lot of those guys don't have. Like, he's a really good player, and, you know, I like – if you play defensive back for Kirby Smart, you're going to be a, a dog in the run game, and he is that. He's great at tackling in space. There's a lot he does well. He's not the most pure corner cover ever, but he's still very, very good mm-hmm. in coverage. And, you know, I, I think, like, in a system that's a little more zone-based, you know, and, and some, you know, a system where he may have opportunities to, to be asked to kind of drop deep as a third safety at times and moved around. Like, I think that's where he would excel the most, but still think he can have a very good career as uh, a boundary corner in the NFL. But I think, you know, his ceiling would be really, really high in situations where he's getting to, you know, blitz off of the short side of the field as a corner and he's dropping into zone and he's doing different things and he's being used you know, his size is being used in the run game because he brings value there where a lot of defensive backs don't. So I think Keely Ringo will be as good as whatever defensive coordinator drafts him and, and how, you know, how clever they are to use him. But I'm sure he will continue to develop because he's, you know, he's a young guy and, you know, he's only at Georgia for three years. Um, He's just got too many athletic gifts to to not keep growing. That makes sense. It really does. And I know he's a hell of an athlete. And, of course, there's plenty of guys there at Georgia's Pro Day today that are going to be suiting up on Sundays for whatever team, uh, the Raiders or any other team across the NFL. Graham, great stuff as always. What do you got coming out on dogcentral.com that we should be on the lookout for? Oh, we're doing, we'll have a lot of draft uh, coverage on the website and the YouTube channel. We're also doing – you know, spring practice started for Georgia yesterday. So if you're if you're interested in you know who the who the next crop of uh, of NFL guys coming out of UGA will be in 2024, we're doing the, a big countdown of most important players on the team for 2023 right now. So go check that out on Dog Central. Yeah, we'll definitely check it out and see if uh, Georgia could get on their road to tr- potentially being a three-peat, right? That would be a, a hell of a thing in college football. Yeah, that would be absolutely wild. So all targets are going to be on the back of the Bulldogs, and we'll be following it all college football season. Graham, thanks so much for your time, my man. It's always great catching up with you. We appreciate you. 
Yeah, always a pleasure. Really appreciate you guys having me on. No doubt about it. There he goes. Graham Coffee, dogcentral.com, dog out west on Twitter is where you could check him out. And oh, there's way too many guys that were at the Georgia Pro Day today to go through everyone. But man, Darnell Washington sounded really good. Keely Ringo put on a show. I didn't even get to Nolan Smith. I he was just about to say that. Didn't wow. To, didn't even get to him. That team was looted. Yeah, stacked. Stacked. So, yeah, there's a pl- plenty of guys that you'll hear at the, uh, at the first round, April 27th, in Kansas City. You'll hear their name called early, and you'll hear their name called often. Coming up next, we'll tell you about a Raider that, well, he re-signed. He is back with the Silver and Black after being with the team last season. Who is it? We'll tell you who it is and what it means to the team. Plus, we'll get your calls and texts. It's coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Graham Coffee, DogCentral.com. Join us in the last segment. Talk all things Georgia Pro Day. Darnell Washington, tight end out of Las Vegas. It's the guy that I'm looking at like, man, sure would like to see him in the mix with the silver and black. So it was funny when Graham was talking about him and DeMond was talking about him. I said, well, maybe they could throw a rumor out there to make his draft stock a little bit, which <laughs> dropped, which, I, you know, obviously I'm joking. I'm kidding. Before our website goes and writes that, the Q said that on the air. Mailman Raider did send a funny uh, a funny text in on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. I just read somewhere on the internet that Darnell Washington picked a California poppy now, has an arrest warrant. We could probably get him in the third or fourth round now, laughing his ass off. Again, Mailman Raider was joking. <laughs> it's funny. That is a funny one. But I have to go ahead and make sure I say it multiple times that he was joking because I promise you that there's a website they'll put out on the beat that, you know, that they, you know, that we said it on the Raiders. As uh, heard on Unnecessary Roughness. Yeah, exactly. They won't, give, they won't say my name or yours, but they'll say as heard on Unnecessary Roughness, Darnell Washington has an arrest warrant, which is not true. You know what I wanted to ask him about? Well, hmm. What's his demeanor like? Is he a dog? Man, you know, is well, he one of? Because I know he'd, he'd definitely be a dog in the weight room, right? But like, what's he like on the sidelines? Well, I, I mean, man, that's a good question. I'll tell you at the combine, man, he was just being at the podium, and it was funny because we didn't get any good audio from him because he was towering above the mic, and nobody ever went and adjusted it. But just being able to hear him, and I was close enough where I can actually hear him, but it wouldn't have sound. It, the, the the sound just wouldn't have been picked up on my phone. Um, he just sound like calm, cool, collective. Sound like he was in charge. He talked about his kids and how him being a father now changed his aspect on life. I mean, he sounded like he had everything going on. Like he sounded like between the ears, he was he was where he needed to be. So uh, he's very intriguing to me. I don't know where he's going to end up in the draft because that combine he killed it. Like this is a guy we're talking about him as a potential first round pick. He had twenty eight catches last season. Twenty eight. That's it. Where his counterpart had what seventy five or eighty five or something like. I mean, he had a bunch of. of uh, of catches at the tight end position. So there, there's a big difference, but this dude is just so big and so athletic and could also be a big-time blocker that it just feels like he's going to have an opportunity to be a big-time player in the NFL. Got a, a couple more texts that we'll get to real quick. We don't have another guest coming up till 4 o'clock. That's Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She's in Baton Rouge right now with UNLV, the Lady Rebels, as they get underway on Friday at noon in March Madness as they take on Michigan. Uh, let's see. This text is from the Five and Dime. I hope DeMond got his $40 uh, I hope he. I hope Demond got his forty dollars ready since he's on the hooker train. That's from Dame. So there you go. Uh, and and look, Hedden Hooker. Hedden Hooker is a is is a player that I, I'm I'm intrigued by as well, right? I mean, I think he could be a hell of a player, but I do caution that Josh Heupel system. I think that that is something because I witnessed it firsthand, and I witnessed it when I was covering Baylor, and I saw the Art Brown system, and I saw that you know the quarterbacks look great. They put up huge numbers. They scored a lot of points. They were going, 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 going. And then they got to the NFL, and they did what? I mean, RG3 was the only one that came out of the Bryles system that even was a high draft pick. And you see how long he lasted in the league. 
wasn't because of the talent, though, Q. And here's one of these things. I'm going to deflect because I have no answer for But this. it was only one guy is my point. Out of all the guys, Bryce Petty was the guy who put up big numbers. Well, he just uh, didn't have it in him. Seth, <laughs> Seth uh, I don't even remember his last name now. Seth somebody. Yeah, Seth somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but Hendon Hooker. Where I don't have an answer for why did why wasn't he able to you know get past that Georgia defense? Hey man, maybe the defense. Seth him- Russell, how about that? Seth, Seth Russell, Russell, that was his name. So I just got to deflect and say it won't matter. Josh McDaniels, he'll coach him up right. Where if they if they're able to land him, maybe you know if they trade back or if he's there mm-hmm. in the second round. But you know I, I don't have an answer for for the uh, Art Browse type system and right. him never getting past the first read because like you said, man, they were always open. What you gonna do? Challenge yourself in a football game? Well, <laughs> they're not gonna be always open <laughs> in the NFL, that's for sure. Geesmo hit us up on the wbroke.com text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. And now all of a sudden, I'm liking Stetson Bennett for the Raiders overhooker. Thanks, Q and Demon. What? No, that's not that's not what I meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Geesmo said. That's what he said. That's on you. You brought him up. That was not my intention at all. I'm just saying. You brought him up. So that's what uh, Geese Mode had to say. So uh, we definitely want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Before we go out to the phone line, I did want to pass along our good friend Jordan Schultz from The Score. Uh, He tweeted out and then sent me a text message. Defensive tackle Jerry Tillery has agreed to turns back to the Raiders. So uh, he was the guy that the Raiders picked up during the middle of the season uh, from the the Chargers after they released him. And I think Jerry Tillery and his time with the Silver and Black, he was most uh, famous for the the time he knocked the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hand that Thursday night against the Rams that kept that drive alive and ultimately the Raiders lost that game but we all know that Jerry Tillery could play now he's got to clean that up and I mentioned it during the commercial break to you Damon. I said yeah Jerry Tillery is back and you said that that kind of surprised you it did surprise me because all we heard last season was hey we got to learn how to was it not lose before we learn how to win yep and that play was a boneheaded decision yep. of a guy who clearly just not having the situational awareness. To That's the biggest losing play I've ever seen. I know we always like to say, hey, the game isn't determined by one play, but I'm going to say it for that game. That one play mattered a hell of a lot. Well, yeah, it gave the Rams more uh, new life, right? It really did. And the thing about it is Jerry Tillery, going back to when he was with the Chargers, there's a reason why they let him go. He was a former first-round pick. He had a lot of 15-yard penalties. He had a lot of bad decisions that weren't the smartest football play. And the one thing that we've heard, to your credit, the one thing we've heard from Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels and company, is intelligent football players. So Jerry Tillery's got to clean that up. I do think he's a really good player. I do think he's a a guy that can get to the quarterback from the defensive tackle position. He's not great against the run, but he can get to the quarterback from the defensive tackle position. So I do like it from that aspect, but you really got to be careful when he's out there on the field, and he's got to have situational awareness. He's got to be smarter than what we saw on display on Thursday Night Football. Let's go out to the phone lines now and talk to a very patient Eric. Welcome back to the show. What's on your mind? Hello, gentlemen. Uh, You've been off topic for a while concerning Garoppolo and Rodgers, so I to that real fast. But I got to say, oh, man. since you got to the Super Bowl, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You're clear. Now go ahead, start over. Eric's going to hate us. Eric is going to absolutely hate us. He's been on hold since like 2.45. We got to try to reconnect with Eric. <laughs> 
Try to reconnect. Well, this is what we'll do. We'll take a quick break. We'll 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 reconnect. We'll reconnect with Eric. I want to make sure he gets his due. He's been on hold for at least 40 minutes. So I want to make sure that we get Eric in and we do want to talk about Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers and what that, you know, what he's talking about when it comes to that. But I want to make sure that we're able to hear you, Eric. So hit us back. We'll take a quick break. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. The question that I asked that Eric has responded to is, it sounds like two first-round picks is what Green Bay wanted for Rodgers. Would you prefer the Raiders made that move or roll with Jimmy G and have the opportunity to go have their draft picks, build up the team around them, keep the dra- uh, keep the, uh, the the salary cap space that they have as well, not have to dish out all that money. Which one would you have preferred is the question. 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. We're going to hustle out to the phone lines because I think my man Eric found a good location to stand in so we can hear him. Eric, welcome back to the show. What's on your mind? Yeah, sorry about that. I was simply saying that uh, you trade for Rodgers for two number ones. It's been 40 years since the Raiders won a Super Bowl, been 20 since they've been in it. If the quarterback's the most important position, you get Rodgers to commit to two years, three years. You draft a quarterback after his second year and says, listen, we're going to have this guy. If you're still performing at a great level, more power to us. If not, you move on anyway. You were 11-6 and six two years ago with Carr. You were 6-11 and 11 with a new regime this year. So, obviously, some of those players that they had two years ago were good enough to make the playoffs, and the blame goes to the Wallers, to the Cars, to the guys who supposedly weren't good enough when they went 6-11 six and six and 11 and had an established guy like Devontae Adams catching the ball. So, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's GMing, but obviously there's a lot of blame to go around. But if you guys are waiting for a miracle savior in the draft <laughs> – more power to you. Jimmy G's not going to get it done. They should have rolled the dice with, with Rodgers or rolled the dice and trade two number ones for and give a, a major guarantee to Lamar Jackson and give him five years and take your chances building the team for five years around him. Just waiting, waiting, hoping we get a guy. It hasn't worked in 40 years. It certainly hasn't worked in 20 years. I like it. I like it. And look, I was I was all on board with the Lamar Jackson, you know, and, and look, with Aaron Rodgers, I was on board with it for the right price. I think two ones is a little pricey for him just because you don't know. Like you said, if you can get him to commit to three years, great, fantastic. I don't think that you can get him to commit. Again, he was on McAfee today saying he was 90% retired before he went into the dark hole. But And I don't know how realistic that 90% number is. Devon, you questioned it earlier today. But, I mean, could you, do you think that Aaron Rodgers would actually stand there in front of someone and, and confidently say – yeah, I got you three years. He's the person that when they said, "Yeah, when pigs fly," that's who I. That's when I. That's when I'll believe it because <laughs> this guy, he's the biggest liar. Where he wants that. Oh, the, the clarity. I'm just tired of Aaron Rodgers. But no, I don't believe him. Short answer. No, I mean, I, I don't think that he would commit to three years. But again, you're right about the most important position. Uh, and, and Jimmy G is not Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy G is not Lamar Jackson. Jimmy G is someone that is very safe. Jimmy G is someone that the staff is very familiar with, and they're willing to roll the dice right at a much cheaper price. So the thing about it is, and I've said this multiple times, and I don't know if it's going to work. Like, I, let me be as clear as possible. I don't know if the plan that they're rolling out right now and they're executing right now in front of our eyes is going to work, but it's their plan. It's what they're doing. They went and signed Jimmy G with the expectations that, okay, uh, it's going to cost a limited amount of money. Going to go out there and roll the dice on a guy like Jacoby Myers. It's going to cost a limited amount of money. Going to roll the dice on a guy like Marcus Epps. Going to cost a limited amount of money. Going to go out there and, and trade Darren Waller and get more draft capital back. Going to go into the draft and go attack it and, and bring in some talent. I don't know if any of that's going to work. I'll be the first one to tell you there's no guarantees. Like, like Eric just said, waiting for miracles to happen in the draft, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It, it's a crapshoot, just like free agency. 
You never know what you're going to get in free agency. Right now, it looks like Chicago won free agency. It looks like San Francisco's winning free agency. It looks like teams like that are doing great in free agency. But none of that is guaranteed until you see what they do on the field. So I don't know if this is going to work, but this is their plan. And so all we know is they're bringing in guys they're comfortable with. A lot of people are getting tired because, oh, it's Patriots. They're bringing former Patriots in. Guess what? Let me tell you the thing that people do in life. I'm not talking football. I'm talking about in life. If you're hired for a position, you want people that you're working with, especially if you're in a manager position, you want people that you're working with to think like you. You don't want guys that you have to convince to think like you. Like You don't want to have to convince a lazy guy to work hard. Or if you're a lazy guy, you don't want to have to convince a, a hardworking guy to, hey, man, pull it on back a little bit. You're making me look bad, right? I mean, that's just what it is. People like to hire people. When I was in Central Texas and I was the uh, assistant program director or program director because my boss got fired, when they hired someone else, guess what? Guess who's the first guy they wanted out? Me, because I was too much like the other guy and not like the new guy. The new guy sucked. He's still terrible, right? But he didn't want me because I was working too hard. I made him look bad. So it was like, hey, you got to get him out of here. We got to pull it back. So that's what that's real. That's life. Any job that you work at. How many times do you see management change and you see people change because they want people that think like them? So, again, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if Jacoby Myers is going to go for 800, 900,000 yards next season. I don't know. I don't know if Jimmy G is going to last six or seven games. He might last 17 for all we know. Until it comes out and, and we actually see it executed, we don't know. So I understand when we talk about a Lamar Jackson, who also has health injuries, you know, has health concerns, last two seasons. I wanted to roll the dice with him because I think it would be a fantastic show, <laughs> right? We want to talk about getting the fan base fired up. But a lot of times, DeMond, I talk about if you want to, you know, worry about the fans, you're going to end up sitting with them. You can't always do that. Yeah, I don't think so much. Well, worrying about the fans, yes, but it's also – you're right when it comes to life. People bring in people that have that same mentality or being familiar with someone. Right. Hey, look at that. How did you get the job? You know somebody that right. works at the job. I've only literally gotten <laughs> one job in this business, in this industry that I actually applied for. One. And it happened to be this one. And I already had an insight in because I was doing shows with Scott before he was before he left. Yeah, it, but it's just I, it's, it's the hard only job I've ever applied for that I've gotten. Every other job I just got slid in because they knew me and they were comfortable with me. Everyone. I promise you. And in, in the long as you stay in radio, you'll do the same thing. You'll get a job because you know somebody. Oh, that's how I got this job because I knew Jared. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I have to say. That's my that's the proof that I'm saying right there. And that's how you'll get your next job. It's because you know somebody. I promise you. What did we do with the Super Bowl? Network. Yep. What did I tell you to do? Go meet everybody. That's how it works, but man, it's just well when it's not but, saying it's right, but that's yeah, how not, it works. Not saying it's right, and also when the guy that is just hey, we're bringing, I'm bringing in my boy, and then your boy is Jimmy G, and I don't mean this as a pejorative, but when it's just right, he's mediocre, right? When your boy is mediocre, that gives people the sour taste, of course. And then we're, and I know people don't want to hear this about DC, who's better, who's not better, right? But when you can say, well, that guy that we just got rid of has a little bit more talent, but it's trust me, he fits the system. Where you, you maybe you'd hear you would believe this argument more in basketball, where it's hey this guy fits the system. Let's say Russell Westbrook. I don't think he's as trash as maybe either. yeah, but it's just he doesn't fit the systems right. because he plays more. As a, he's better as a star player rather than just being a role but player. See the thing about it is they brought in Jimmy G. He's I don't think he's better than DC. Yes, I don't. but I think he's but a better role player and he's, a better and fit. And that's their guy. So if he fails, they fail. Oh yeah, that's the thing about it. They they die on that hill. Not 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 me. Not you. Not Vinny. Not Clay. 
Not Heidi, even though they were pounding the table for Jimmy G. They don't die on that hill. The people that hired him die on that hill. That's why I always tell you, I don't put my name on too many people because they'll let you down. They put their name on Jimmy G. They trust that he's going to get it done. So if, they, if he doesn't get it done, he doesn't help the team, then what? Who's that on? Is that on you? Is it on me? No. It's on them. So when people say, hey, they, they said they weren't going to rebuild, I know that people can say this roster doesn't look like a Super Bowl contender, but they aren't signing up. They didn't bring in Jimmy and say, hey, Jimmy, can you come in and at, and at least win four games for us? That's not the expectation. I know that maybe that could be your expectation if you're listening and you're not that high on Jimmy G, but they still want to go out there and win games. But you just have to be realistic But who's out there in the quarterback market and who you could realistically bring in. Where, like you said, it's, it's he was the best guy available. Yeah, outside it, of Aaron Rodgers and Lamar, it's yeah, like you said, it's <laughs> he was their the neck guy. that's out there, and that's not and that's not saying a lot. But Baker Mayfield was an option. Sam Darnold was an option. Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton was an option. Jacoby Brissett, none of those slappies are any better. And at least that this guy's familiar with them, and they feel comfortable. So if they feel like they could trust him to go out and execute, so be it. It's on him to get it done, and it's on them to get it done. It ain't on us, right? I mean, that's the thing about it. That's why I don't get too high or too low on it. It's like, okay, I, I spent last season getting or off season getting high on Devontae Adams, right? I was yeah, like, but I, it was worth it. I was like, I was like a guy that ain't, had never had no trees around me, right? I was high as a kite, right? <laughs> because I thought that that was going to be the end all be all, and I learned from that. Okay, just because it looks good and feels good and sounds good, don't mean it is. That's what my late great grandmother used to say. No, but he was good. He was great. He was as good as advertised. But it, I know it, turned, it, it turned into six wins. It didn't equate to wins, right. but, hey, but hey. But I thought that Man. they could compete with any team in the league. They'd probably be a double-digit team, a winning team, and they'd have an opportunity to compete in the playoffs and really thought that they were going to be a shoe in for the playoffs, and they weren't. So they looked at the roster and said, okay, this has got to be done. None of these moves they made so far are earth-shattering moves. None of them are like, man, that's the one that's going to put them over the top. No. But they're just guys that they feel comfortable with, that they're bringing in, and they're hoping that they execute at the level that they expect them to execute. And then they can go into the draft, and they're hoping that they can get some other guys. And I know it's a lot of hopes and wishes and this and that and the other, but that's what you got to do. At some point, you've got to build a team that has plenty of talent. And at the end of the day, I don't think the defense – I know the defense didn't have enough talent. And the offense had top-end talent but didn't have enough depth. So they need to have that as well. So I'm not going to pound the table and say, man, these moves are fantastic. Someone hit me today. Does this, the moves that they've made so far, does that make them closer to the Chiefs? I was like, no, not at all. Not going to try to, you know, blow smoke up your backside and tell you it is. But what I can say is those are those guys that they brought in. They can't say now that, well, you know, just got here on the job and, and didn't have too much time to scout anything and we're just hiring people like last season. So this is really their first legit offseason. So I'm willing to give them a chance to see what it looks like. And then let's make some judgments. It's March. No games happen until September. 702-365-9200. Who we got up, Demond? Big Jose in San Jose. Big Jose in the 408. Welcome to the show. What's happening, fam? How y'all doing today? Hey, we're blessed. Great. Just taking our head out here in some sunshine, finally getting a break from the rain. So, um, happy for that. Hey, but I want to bring up something. I think that in the beginning, when we're talking about the legacy of the Raiders and we're talking about the expectations, we go all the way back to Al Davis, John Roush, John Madden, Tom Flores. You got in there a Hall of Fame owner, two Hall of Fame coaches, and a legendary college coach. And they were the last remnants of really a 500 coaching, you know, profile of a, of a, of a profile of a coach that we had. That's when we used to be called the Kings of Monday Night. That's when Al Davis used to say that we had the best winning percentage in all of professional sports. That's where things were getting done. 
But then shortly after that, we went to Mike Shanahan, Art Shell, which he had a decent season. And then we went Mike White, John Bugle, Joe Bugle, Joe Gruden, who brought us back to a little bit of glory, but then got traded. Bill Callahan, Norv Turner, Art Shell again for a 2-14 and 14 season repeat. Lane Kiffin, Tom Cable, Hugh Jackson, Dennis Allen, Tony Sperano, Jack Del Rio, John Gruden, Rich Passaccia, and now Will McDaniels. My point is that since the very first, you know, early on since the last Tom Flores situation for coaching, we haven't had anybody that's done it right. So to a lot of the fan base, you know, I hate to say this, but they are familiar with it getting done right. We've been getting it done with Band-Aid solutions, Band-Aid solutions. So these guys are going to break it all the way down to the bones and try to build it right. So I'm willing to give them a chance to do that. And you can't do it, you know, after one year and firing the guy, you know. You gotta give them a chance to put it together because if we ain't gonna do it right this year with these guys, who's to say that we're gonna do it right with the next guy that comes in or the next guy or the next guy, right? You can be a year after year new coach. I mean, as much as, you know, people like to blame Derek Carr for what he did, not one of them. I mean, he played for how many coaches and how many offensive coordinators in his time? I mean, there's no stability, no consistency, and nobody doing it right, man. That's what I got from you. Peace. Hey, good stuff. Big Jose, appreciate the call, my man. And, yeah, I mean, that's a laundry list of coaches that they went through, and that was a, a, a big, you know, turnstile as far as the coaching staff goes and turnover after turnover after turnover. And so they're trying not to do that. And, you know, I got to give Mark Davis credit, and I know a lot of people won't do that, but I got to give Mark Davis credit because he attempted that with Gruden when he, when he hired him and gave him the long-term deal. He wanted a guy that was there for the long run. He wanted to have a staff. I remember having John McClain on talking about it. He said, hell, all these assistant coaches are excited. Because they, they know they got five-year deals. They ain't going to. They got job security. That's something that coaches appreciate. Well, it all obviously unraveled. We know we don't have to rehash why it unraveled, but it did. But that's what he was attempting to do was have the same staff in there for the long haul so they didn't have to go through coaching staff after coaching staff after front office after front office. So it didn't work. It just didn't work just because of what we all know. So, okay, going back to the drawing board. Going to try to do it again. So they're not going to just turn the, turn everything over after one 6-11 and 11 year. They're not. You know, and it's so funny because so many people, including myself, were willing to give Gruden time to build this team up. Hell, he traded away a couple of the best players the team had. He traded away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. And I know Amari Cooper never had an attitude like he enjoyed playing football, but he was a damn good player. <laughs> I still can't figure out his demeanor, right? Even when he was in Dallas, he really very rarely smiled. He's just... He just reminded me of the dude on Ghost. Hey, it's a good job, bro. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's just, you know, he just he gets the bills paid. I mean, it is what it is. He's just kind of chilling, and that's look, that's fine. That's that's again, that's who he is. That's fine. But he traded away a couple of the best players that were on the roster at the time, and everyone was for the most part willing to give him time. And again, I don't know if this is going to work. And if it does, great. People will be calling the show, texting the show, tweeting us. Instead of tweeting me at 6 in the morning, cussing me out, they'll be tweeting me at 6 in the morning saying, life is good. And that'll be fine. Winning cures all. I get that. It's the nature of the beast. Frustration piles in. And we're the, we're, we're the middlemen, right? We're the ones that you can reach when you can't reach them. So that's fine. But in March, I'm not going to ever overreact to what's going on because it's silly. You can win the offseason all you want. It's not about the offseason. It's about the regular season. So 
That's what we got. We'll go ahead and close out the hour uh, when we come back at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I think we just had a, a spot open up. I don't think Paloma could join us at 4, so we'll continue to take your calls. We'll continue to get your text. We'll talk about not only Aaron Rodgers and the two first-round picks that Green Bay wanted for him and if you think the Raiders made the right decision, but we'll talk about anything else that's on your mind. We'll talk about players that the Raiders have re-signed, who they've brought into the mix ever since they've uh, you know kicked free agency, and also Clee Farrell heading to the San Francisco 49ers. Seems like that pipeline is wide open for ex-Raiders headed back to the Bay. So uh, we'll talk all about that. But before we do that, I do want to give out a four-pack of tickets. And, Damon, you're going to be there. You'll be on the call this weekend, man. The Vegas Vipers for looking for their first win. I'm going to need you to get them a win, by the way, Damon. I'm going to need you to get – I'm serious. Like, at some point, man, you have one job. Get them a dub. Want me to ask for a uniform? Am I supposed to suit up? <laughs> no, actually, that would probably make sure that they don't get a dub. But I'm going to need you to go on the call. You and Harry Ruiz, who do a fantastic job on the call, I'm going to need y'all to make sure that they get a win. You know what that? You know what we need? What? And we're going to help that with giving away these tickets. We need more people in the snake pit. Okay. We need a better you, home field advantage. You know what you need is you need what the D.C. defenders do. Is that D.C. that has yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, uh-huh. the, uh, the beer snake? Yeah. The Vipers, the beer snake. Let's get it going. There you go. We, we can start it from the booth. Okay. And I'll be the first, and then, you know, it can funnel down. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll give you the first cup, but you can't have any beer. You're on well, the call. After, then after. There, me, yeah. Me, you me can, in the parking lot. Yeah, you could be on the festivities afterwards. You can't be on the festivities during the game. That'd be silly. Four-pack of tickets right now. Vegas Vipers, Orlando Guardian. It's going down this Saturday. Cashman Field, thanks to Finley Toyota, celebrating 25 years of serving Las Vegas. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. We got a four-pack of tickets for you. Not now, but right now. Hit us up. 702-365-9200. Again, the Dopeybroke.com text line as well. 69187, keyword r This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Got to give a big shout-out to Humberto. He's got hooked up with a four-pack of tickets to the Vegas Vipers versus Orlando coming up this weekend. DeMond was so proud. As soon as he gave out those tickets, he said, all right, I'll see you at the game. There's nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with that. I love the excitement. Again, you can hear the Vegas Vipers. That is the XFL team of Las Vegas. You can hear them right here on these airways on Red Nation Radio 920. Uh, DeMond Cotton and Harry Ruiz will be on the call, and they've been doing a great job, and it's up to them. It's up to them to get them that uh, that that first W of the XFL season, and it's up to you, Raider Nation. It's up to you uh, to be out there and represent at Cashman Field and, and really you know give them that home field advantage. So uh, we're going to send folks to the game. We're going to give out four pack of tickets, and Humberto got hooked up with a pair or a, a four pack this afternoon. So we definitely appreciate you. Yeah. So I guess when I'm on the field pregame and the players are stretching, warming up, you know, doing all their little drills before the game, I'm just looking at, hey guys, we need this one. <laughs> Are you going to walk by and talk about <laughs> Look but here. Who is that? <laughs> Look Right. Look here, Brett Hundley. They'll be like, oh, I thought Kevin Hart was only here for a couple days. Wait, they're playing on Saturday, right? <laughs> the game's on Saturday, right? <laughs> there you go. Oh, Kevin, we'll see you tonight. <laughs> Man, Kevin Hart, big fan of the XFL. Who would have known? <laughs> they're going to go home and be like, babe, babe, say babe. He knew everybody on the team. Kevin Hart was at the game. He was dapping us up. He's a big XFL Fan, that's funny. That is hilarious. We're gonna roll with that. <laughs> we usually get a player or coach on. We're gonna do that this week. I'll be like, man, did you guys know that Kevin Hart was coming to the game this week? See what they say. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna run with this. He's gonna be on the field pregame. If you see him out there, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Don't go talk to him. Just don't, don't, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, 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 he's getting ready for the show. 
He, he's getting in, in show mode. What we hear is Kevin Hart likes to walk around with random football fields while teams are warming up just to get in the mode for the show. So you guys are going to be the ones this week. All right. You know, I'll just keep a low profile, try not to make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> when they realize that you're not Kevin Hart, they'll be angry. Hey, man, wait a minute. People are always disappointed. <laughs> it happens, you know. Like I said, it happened on Saturday. The Russians, hey. That's funny. Hey, they were so disappointed. I understand. I understand. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, congratulations to Humberto. Got a four-pack of tickets to go see the Vegas Vipers coming up on Saturday. Uh, got a couple quick texts, and then we'll take a break. And uh, Paloma's not able to join us at four because uh, she's got to do a live hit on Fox 5, so I guess she's got to do her real job. How dare her job? Right. How dare her job actually jump in with what we got planned, <laughs> right? We planned this in advance for a reason, but uh, she'll join us at some point. We'll make sure to catch up with her. Aaron Wilson, NFL insider out of Houston, will join us at 4.30. So uh, we'll, we'll navigate in between there and, the, and, and then. Uh, but we do want to get your calls and texts in at 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R, don'tbebroke.com, text line. A couple quick texts here. Uh, drafting and building a team is how you get closer to the Chiefs, not free agency. Uh, and I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. It's all about the draft. And then when you have a team built similar to San Francisco, they have a really good team built right now. So they can go out there and spend money on a free agent. And say, you know what? Yeah, Hargraves, we'll give you a $94 million deal, even though that's not the realistic money. But, hey, we'll give you this kind of a deal because all they're doing is plugging him into a spot where the rest of the team is already solid. If you try to build that team through free agency, 99% of the time, it does not work. Geese said it's March. I'm just over here hoping that Garoppolo gives us the Jim Plunkett treatment and has his best years in silver and black. Maybe I'm not guaranteed two Lombardis, but at this point, you never know. I'm just saying. That's from Geese And, yeah, that's a great point. And I heard a call earlier today on a JT show about not liking Jimmy G because he was a former 49er and a Patriot. And I heard JT say, wait, hold on. So was Jim Plunkett. Again, I'm so over where they came from. At this point, and Raider Nation, as, as a fan base, we should all be at this point. Who cares where they came from? If they help the Raiders win games, that is all that matters. That's all that I care about at this point. Great text, Geesville. We do appreciate you. 358 is the time. We'll take your calls when we come back. 702-365-9200. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.